and welcome to the MBOM podcast, where you'll learn to master the business of yoga. MBOM is a proud part of the Wander Barn Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Amanda Kingsmith. I'm a 500-hour registered yoga teacher, a yoga business coach, and a total business geek. Here at MBOM, you'll learn everything you need to know to create a sustainable yoga business by learning from myself and guests from around the world about how they built their yoga businesses and about how you too can become a successful yoga teacher, studio owner, and much more. All right, let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mastering the Business of Yoga. I am super excited to join you here today for this episode of the show. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by Offering Tree. Offering Tree is my number one software recommendation for yoga teachers and studio owners. They are a one-stop shop for all things yoga business, yoga studio ownership, and I really love how you can do everything with one login, one password, one payment, and one affordable payment at that. So I'm going to tell you more about Offering Tree a little bit later on, but if you guys want to go check them out, it's offeringtree.com forward slash MBOM. You can do a trial there. You can get a discount if you want to sign up and lots of good stuff. Today on the podcast, I'm really excited to be joined by Saskia Celine. Saskia is a yoga teacher and a longtime listener of the podcast. So her and I have been in contact for a while. And over the last four years, she's been a self-employed yoga and meditation teacher. And she has shifted to supporting soulpreneurs like yoga teachers to set up what she calls their soul biz and share their unique magic with ease. And she found that she was getting asked the same questions over and over again. And so she shifted to working as a coach and consulting other yoga teachers, other solopreneurs with their businesses. So I'm really excited about this episode because she's sharing her journey as a yoga teacher. She talks about what it's like to what it's been like to shift gears into coaching, as well as we dive into three myths about starting your soul business or your yoga business and why they aren't true. And so this episode is just jam-packed with a lot of goodness, a lot of wisdom, a lot of really great golden nuggets. I'm not going to give away what the three myths are or anything, so you have to listen a little bit more to find out what those are, but I have a feeling that you're going to love this episode as much as I did. So without further ado, here is Saskia. Saskia, welcome to the show today. I'm really excited to have you here with me. Thank you. I love being here. Yeah, I'm really excited to connect with you today. And I'm curious if you can share with myself and listeners where you're joining us from. I'm joining you from Hamburg in Germany. Um, Yeah, I am German, but I only moved back like a year ago after living abroad. So yeah, calling that place home now. Yeah. What's it like to be back after so many years not living there? Oh, still kind of strange. I have to be honest, like um, there are still days where I'm just not feeling well adjusted here, but um, definitely getting there. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I feel like I've been outside of Canada for so long and I do go back like every year to visit and stuff, but the visits have been getting shorter and shorter. And I feel like every time I go back, I have kind of this like reverse culture shock of like, wait, is this my culture? I don't know anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely hear you there. And I'm excited to, to dive in with you. We've got a really exciting topic today, but before we get there, can you share a little bit with us about your story, how you got into yoga? Sure. Yeah, yoga has been following me for quite a while. Like I still remember taking my first class when I was like 14 or 15 years old. Uh, My mom and grandma took me along, which was really fun. Um, But I didn't really stick with it um, until a few years later. Like I was a dancer when I was 
was younger. And so when I went to uni and just struggled quite a bit mentally there, um, yoga kind of found its way back to me. Like I was doing yoga with Adrian <laughs> in my dorm and that definitely saved me. Um, and from there on, um, I just, um, yeah, continued to practice yoga for quite a number of years, um, while I was working corporate. And then I quit that job to travel around the world for 14 months and then during that time I feel like a space in my head kind of freed up um, and there the idea plopped into yeah do a yoga teacher training not necessarily with the intention to actually teach just to dive deeper and learn more and then um, when I actually did the training it became obvious pretty quickly to me that um, I did want to teach um, which I started right away after finishing the training And um, yeah, from there, I just um, made it my business slowly, step by step, um, started to teach more, did more trainings, um, became certified as like a meditation teacher as well. And um, then later on started supporting people like me a few years ago, who were just starting their yoga business um, to get that set up and get their um, gift out into the world. Yeah, that's amazing. There's like so many synchronicities between your story and my story, which is really cool to hear. And I'm curious, once you did that yoga teacher training, were you still living abroad or were you back in Germany at that point teaching? Yeah, I was um, living in New Zealand back then. And uh, I did my training, my first training in Bali. And it was actually pretty crazy. Like when I look back um, over that time, I definitely wonder where I took that courage from. Like I did my training and before that I had lived in New Zealand only about like two or three months. Um, and then um, while I was on that training, I already applied um, for a teaching gig at the yoga studio I was frequenting as a student in New Zealand. Um, and yeah, did like a trial class there. And, you know, I was just fresh off of teacher training. And so the head teacher was like, well, you know, maybe a couple of months, but then she actually got back to me much quicker than that. And yeah, from there on out, started teaching. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Like way to just dive in. I feel like it's so interesting to look back on those moments and think like, wow, that was actually like kind of brave of me to like, you know, do all of those things. And I think it's nice. It's nice to have that because especially when we're supporting newer yoga teachers, it's like we can remember how scary it was, but then we can also remember like how good it feels to kind of be brave and step out of your comfort zone and do those things that you're really excited about. Yeah, for sure. And I have to be honest, like I definitely take myself, my younger self as a bit of an inspiration um, right now, being in like a new city where I don't know anyone and trying to teach a little bit more in person here as well. Um, I find it definitely harder this time around, probably because I did have some experiences in the past. But yeah, trying to be inspired by my younger self to just go out there and go after it. Yeah, I love that. I think it's always a little hard, like in different places, particularly in different countries, because the culture of yoga shifts a little bit country to country. And it's kind of figuring out, you know, how do how do people run the studios? Like how do they want you to apply? How do they how do they pay? You know, how does like everything work? And it's 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 more or less the same, but there are like little cultural differences. And especially, you know, obviously doing it in a different language, even if it's your mother tongue, I feel like just kind of like throws you for a loop a little bit because you're doing it in a totally different way. Totally. Yeah, I agree. Like teaching in German has been an experience. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know a couple of people who are like English is their second language. They speak fluently, but they learned to teach yoga in English. And so that's like 
what they do in English. They teach yoga. And so it's like trying to take it back to another language, even though it's like their mother tongue, it's what they grew up with, they speak it fluently, is still challenging because you're still like learning a different muscle, right? Like teaching, learning to teach yoga is learning to to speak differently. And when you have to do that twice in another language, it's kind of like, oof, like brain is like that emoji that's kind of, you know, coming out. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like um, it's, yeah, you develop all these phrases and the way you speak and it's just, it becomes so natural at some point. And then you have to basically start at zero again because you can't use any of the words you've used in the past. Yeah, but it's 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 a fun experience too, for sure. Yeah, yeah, good good learning experience. And so you've been teaching for for four years now, is that right? Four and a half, yeah, coming up to five actually. Yeah, amazing. And so I'd love to hear kind of the overview of your business. Can you kind of walk us through like what you've been doing over the last like almost five years? Yeah, so I'm definitely one of those people who like pivoted a lot and um, yeah, tried and errored my way um, through business. So um, I started out teaching like public classes, um, working for studios, um, and then offering my own classes as well. Um, did that for about, say, eight months, um, and then started hosting like workshops on the side as well. Um, like I've offered women's circles and stuff like that. And then pretty quickly, um, someone approached me and was like, so do you want to host a retreat together? And I was like, sure, let's, let's figure it out. Um, and, and we did, and it was such a great experience. Um, so from then on out, I hosted retreats until about a year ago. Um, and that was a great experience too. And with all of that, you know, the business grew. I started to, um, gain more like, private clients as well. Um, and then, um, February 2020 rolled around and um, I started um, a, a yoga studio with a partner, which wasn't the best timing at all <laughs> in hindsight. Um, so um, that business quickly faded again um, due to various reasons broadly to do with the pandemic. And um, from there on out, um, I started to focus more on that one-on-one -on -one work. Um, and because I also completed a meditation um, coaching certificate, um, I, I let that um, influence my work as well. And so right now, I'm basically only working with people one on one um, online. So it's more of a meditation and yoga coaching, I'd like to call it. Um, and I also started to develop this new um, part of my business, like about a year ago, where I support people like yoga teachers and other solopreneurs to set up their business and just help them get through these fast trenches until they can um, run their business quite solidly. Yeah. Hey, yoga teachers, we're just taking a quick moment from the episode to talk about Offering Tree. In the very first episode of this new season, I gave you guys a little update that I have moved my courses over to Offering Tree, and I am super, super, super excited about that. I also let you guys know that they had lots of changes happen in the last couple of months while we haven't been producing new episodes. So I'm really excited to share about those. One of the updates that I'm really excited to share about today is that you can now create powerful, limited intro offers with Offering Tree packages. Offering new customers a limited special offer is a tried and true strategy for getting new students and growing your business, but it puts us at risk of customers abusing these offers. So you can now limit how many times a package can be redeemed or set an expiration time to drive new signups without that fear of missing out 
or that worry of somebody just continuously buying this. So what does this look like in practicality? It means that for your yoga business or for your yoga studio, you can set up some sort of an intro offer that allows people to try your classes for 30 days or one week, whatever you want at a certain discounted price. After that time period, you can set the package to expire and you can also set it so that each new student can only do this one time, which makes it the perfect offer for new students coming to your studio or your classes for the first time. This is seriously a game changer for your business. And this is huge functionality within this software. So I'm super excited about this update and I hope you guys are too. If you want to go check out more with Offering Tree and see more about what they have to offer for you and your business, head on over to offeringtree.com forward slash MBOM where you can sign up for free, get a free trial and also get a discount. Once again, that's offeringtree.com forward slash MBOM. All right, now back to the episode. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. You're actually the second person that I've talked to recently who opened a studio like right before the pandemic. And so it was like, you know, a couple of months of in-person and then it was like, okay, we've got to pivot. We've got to go online. Pandemic seemed to go on forever, <laughs> at least in my perspective. <laughs> and it's like, you know, how long can you carry like the rent and the overhead of of a studio, right? When you can't have anyone in there. Totally. It's crazy. Yeah. And I also like, um, so I founded the studio together with someone else and there were definitely mistakes made there. Like we didn't know each other well enough, I would say in hindsight. And so with the additional stress of the pandemic and the challenges that came along with it, it became apparent quite, quite quickly to, I think, both of us that we weren't quite the best match because we couldn't we couldn't really decide on the same direction to take the studio with these, with these challenges. So yeah, definitely an experience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's too bad that that didn't work out, but I do really feel like, you know, these things kind of happen as they're meant to, and that we end up in the direction that we're supposed to. And it sounds like you were able to pivot pretty gracefully and and kind of land in a little niche that you you're really an expert in and that you specialize in. So I'm excited to dive into that a little bit. So why don't we get into the three myths about starting your soul biz? So yeah, I'll just kind of put it to you. Like what, what are these myths that, that people kind of think about when it comes to, to starting their businesses? Yeah. So I think the first thing that I see again and again is that people think that they have to have it all figured out. <laughs> and I know I did in the past. Um, like you leave yoga teacher training and first you might think, well, I did like a month of training. I've learned all these things. And then pretty quickly you realize, well, I actually know very little about um, the tradition of yoga, about teaching. There's so much more I need to learn. And you um, start to compare yourself to all these people on Instagram or teachers you admire in person. And you're not them. You just finished your training. And then you probably start thinking, I have to become them before I can start my business and become successful. When actually um, the magic lies in the process, um, like get out there and get started and take all your people along with you. Um, Because I definitely found that to be true, um, that people celebrate your success and your progress and they want to see you evolve. And um, they definitely celebrate you for the courage to put yourself out there. So um, that's something I have to remind people (laughs) of again and again when we start working together, that there's no magical um border or certificate that they need to receive to finally be qualified enough or experienced enough to start a business because 
you'll never get to that point. I feel like there's always more to learn, especially in yoga. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you shared that because I, I do think that's true. And I think it's really easy to get a little bit stuck in in the perfectionism mindset. And this can be around teaching and it can also be around business, right? Because it's like, oh, I can't do this pose or I don't know enough about the yoga history or philosophy or I can't speak enough Sanskrit. You know, I'm not ready to teach. And that can be really paralyzing where it's like the only way to be ready to teach is to just start teaching. Like that's what we have to do. We have to just dive in and do it. And I think business is very similar like the well is deep, right? And things are constantly changing as well. You know, the way people did business 10 years ago was very different from the way that people do business now. I mean, even let's look at the pandemic. The pandemic shifted the yoga industry hugely, like a 360. You know, people weren't really doing yoga on Zoom pre-2020, which is weird to think about now, right? Like that there was so many people who'd never considered taking a yoga class on Zoom. And that's what so many people have been doing over the last three years. So I think it's just diving in, starting where you're at, you know, teaching the people who resonate with you, knowing that there's always going to be people ahead of you and behind you. And we just keep learning and growing. Totally. Yeah. And I think the pandemic is such a good example for that. Like you have to keep that beginner's mindset really throughout all of your business um, because there will always be new challenges, new things to figure out, new things to learn. Um, like even if you are like solidified as a teacher and in your business and then you take another course or you train with another teacher and you start not at zero but you start as a beginner in that specialty or whatever it is again and so having that that courage and that trust that you're enough I mean that's basically the the belief we have to find right that we're enough the way we are right now in that moment um that's I think really key to getting out there and sharing your magic because there are always people who are ready for you. I think especially in yoga, that was something I had to learn um, quite a bit that there are people at various stages on their path and there are people who I wasn't the right teacher for in the beginning and who maybe I'm not the right teacher even now. Um, and that there are lots of student though, students, though, who are maybe at the beginning of their journey or who are looking at a specific angle that you're looking um, at yoga at. And so, yeah, I think it's always worth to put yourself out there and not to wait for a magical day that will really never show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember feeling this a lot when I started around teaching classes and feeling like very inexperienced and very much an imposter. But I remember feeling it even more so when I got asked to do privates. Like the first time, I guess the first two times I got asked to do a private, it was like, what do you charge? And what do you offer? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know the answers to these questions. Like, And then, you know, I way undercharged because I was like, I literally don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm on Google looking this up, trying to figure out what do I charge and what do I offer and how is a private class different? Because I was never trained in that, right? It was kind of just like, learn as you go. And it kind of makes me smile back at like baby me thinking, <laughs> thinking about that. But had I not said yes to those opportunities, you know, I never would have had that experience, I would still have remained, you know, like a baby private yoga teacher and I'd have, you know, no experience. Yeah, I agree. And I think pricing is such a good example for that because I think everyone struggles with pricing. Like I still remember Googling, like, what does a private yoga teacher charge? And then nothing comes out because I was living in New Zealand and like most of the articles or tips that really don't help that you find online are like, 
centered on America or like um, Canada maybe as well, but like really nothing about where I was teaching private classes. Um, oh yeah, the pricing, exactly. And then you you charge whatever you feel like um, might be appropriate. It's probably too little. And then you teach maybe like these five classes that you agree to teach for that um, certain price. And then you, you learn how you react to that. Like, are you annoyed that you're teaching these classes and have to get up at that early hour or, you know, whenever it is for that price? And that could be your hint that you charged a little too, um, too little. Um, and so, yeah, just really learning from these experiences. Um, and you can only like learn from experience. There's not a lot that comes with like a, like a handbook, I think, in teaching, in teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And before we move on to myth number two that we're going to talk about, I wanted to ask you for anyone who's feeling kind of like maybe they're not enough or they're stuck in that imposter syndrome or feeling like they just need to keep doing trainings because they're not ready. Do you have any tips for that person in terms of, you know, just getting themselves out there? Yeah, I think uh, one way that always works is like teaching friends or families, people that really want to see the the best in you. Um, I mean, there are different challenges, I think, that come with teaching family and friends. But for the beginning, it can be a really, really great way to get started and to gather some confidence. And also like teaching something like donation-based classes it doesn't work for everyone, but um, it works for a lot of people because that, that financial pressure is out of the window. I think that often plays into it that people think, well, this person just paid $20 for this class and what if I disappoint them? And um, if it's, for example, donation-based, then there's there's less of that pressure and you can focus more on just building um, the skills and getting yourself out there and building that that muscle that you're actually okay at what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, let's dive into the second the second myth. Yeah. So the second thing that I always encounter is that people think they have to hire to look professional. Like you have to, when you start a business, you have to hire someone to like build a logo. You have to hire someone to build a website. Um, you have to get professional pictures done, like all of the things. And like, they are definitely nice. And down the line, one day you will do them. But they, they aren't necessary. Like you don't really need them. Like I worked with like a logo I made up on Canva for I think the first two and a half years at least in my business. Um, same with pictures and like my website, I still do by myself. Um, because you know, it's always a balance of what you hire out and what you can do yourself. There's always time and money involved. Um, but there's no, there's no rule that everything, um, has to be done by a professional, um, for you to look professional or to act professionally in your business. Yeah, yeah, I agree with this because I think this is another thing that can really like paralyze people from getting started because maybe they've spent a lot of the money that they did have saved on doing their training. You know, trainings can be a big price point, they can be expensive, and it's worth investing in a good one that you feel aligned with, of course. But then it's like, you know, how do I get started on doing this in like a quote unquote professional manner? Like, you know, a web designer can cost you know, upwards of like $5,000, which is is not always feasible for people, especially maybe if you've like quit a job to start this and don't have a lot of income coming in. And I completely agree with you. I feel like I DIY'd like 
every single thing in my business to start out with. I've done like every iteration of my website. I've only just recently, you know, brought on somebody who's helped kind of like spruce it up and make it a little bit prettier and stuff like that. And same with actually with logos and headshots for my first set of those, I did, I did trades. So I traded a couple private sessions for the first logo that was designed. And I found somebody who was, you know, she's somebody that I know she was kind of getting just started with graphic design and yeah, she was like willing to do a trade with me. And it was the same thing with the, the person who did my first like photo shoot and headshots. They were willing to do a trade for yoga. So I think it's like not everyone's interested in this. It's not something for everyone. But if you can find the right people in your network that might be interested in doing some classes with you, it's cool because you've got this service that you can offer, right? And it's great because you get to practice. Maybe they get some experience as well and you get to kind of exchange your service and give each other feedback after. Yeah, exactly. I think trades, I mean, you know, there's always um, a good and a bad side to everything, but I think trades can be great if done right. And if you have um, the right people around you, they can be a great opportunity to get something started without, yeah, um, paying big bucks. Um, and yeah, I did like the same with pictures. I did them for trades until I think a year ago, I actually <laughs> paid prof- for professional photos for the first time in my business. Um, yeah, I can get you, um, quite a way. And I think at the end of the day, of course, that's all really important because it's the first thing that speaks to people who don't know you in person. And yet it's not what makes you a great teacher like it, it's not what makes people return to you as a teacher so I think there's it's always important to to keep a balance with that and especially like today I think there are so many good tools to get stuff out there that still looks great even though it's just done by you like you can do so much with a logo in Canva like just your name or just a few forms whatever you can experiment with that um and yeah I did that for quite a few years and people always like complimented me on my logo and I'm definitely not a graphic designer so um I think almost everyone can do it for sure I love working with Canva actually like it's such a great tool especially you know if you want to get some consistency into your brand and across platforms and everything um I love like walking clients through that like really step by step and setting it all up because I think once it's set up it's really helpful and such a cheap alternative to hiring a professional graphic designer for example yeah, 100% agree. I like live and breathe Canva also. I feel like I, I'll say like Canva kind of makes me a graphic designer, even though I'm not a graphic designer. And so would definitely recommend that tool also. And then I think there's a lot of great tools and softwares that can really help us, you know, if we're not like a web designer or a graphic designer, like we were saying, or even a photographer. I think, you know, obviously there's Wix and Squarespace. WordPress is a little more complicated, but I think even they have a lot of like kind of easy to use templates. You know, people on the podcast have heard me talk about Offering Tree incessantly. And I feel like they're definitely like my top, top recommendation for yoga teachers. And it's truly just because like, if you don't want to pay somebody, you know, upwards of $5,000 for web design, you know, you can go on offering tree and you can build your own site and they've got these beautiful templates now. So their websites are looking like even better than they were before. And I feel like it just makes it a little bit simple. And there's like, 
nothing feels better than like doing this stuff yourself. I feel like especially if it's not in your wheelhouse, like going on Canva and using their tools to design like a beautiful logo and then being able to go on Offering Tree, for example, and design a beautiful website. And then I was going to say with photos too, like I feel like with the new cameras and stuff, it's like you don't necessarily need somebody to take professional photos. I still love professional photos for some instances, but I mean, I have like uh, one of the newer iPhones and it's got like portrait mode has so many options now. It's like so easy to take beautiful photos. I mean, all you really need is a nice background. If it's like an ivy wall or a brick wall or a white wall, you know, do your hair how you like, put a little makeup on if that's your thing you know, and get somebody who can take your photos. And it doesn't need to be fancy, I don't think. Like, I think sometimes we just really complicate these things and it doesn't need to be complicated because while the branding and the design is important, so people kind of see what you're all about, we need to show up as great yoga teachers, right? Kind of like you said before, it's like what our website looks like doesn't make us a better yoga teacher. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And I think especially with um, pictures as well in times of social media, I mean, nowadays you have to post more videos, but like basically if you want to post every day or like a couple of times a week, the number of pictures you would need from a professional photographer, like that's very price um, intensive. So yeah, I agree. Like the new phones um, definitely make it much easier. And like you find so many resources online as well on like how to take a nice picture of yourself or like creative ways to to set yourself up for a picture and to take like a creative selfie and stuff like that. Um, I think if you get creative, there's really no need to, to hire out everything um, that you have to get done and to instead really embrace the journey like as you said that feeling of accomplishment once you've set up your website once you've posted that picture or once you've created that logo it's just really really great Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah I completely agree so thanks for sharing that one and yeah let's dive into the third one yeah, the third one, um, I kind of titled Teach and They Will Come because <laughs> I think often we see teachers, especially on Instagram, like I think it's such a fake world in a way. <laughs> Sometimes you see like these mega successful yoga teachers and maybe they didn't even become successful on Instagram as a yoga teacher and then started working as a yoga teacher and they put up a class and it's immediately sold out and you're like well what's happening to my class um because you know it takes time to to build a clientele to build your audience um and so don't compare yourself to these people but what it takes instead is really the consistency of offering for example, weekly classes and actually sticking to them being like a reliable source for people to turn to for a yoga class and to do the same on social media as well. If you find that social media is an avenue that supports you in your business and to, uh, yeah, just do w- what it takes to, to get your name out there, to get your offering out there and to show people what you have to offer. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this is is really important. And yeah, I think it is really easy to go on Instagram and you start following some other yoga teachers and you'll see some with, you know, smaller followings and others with bigger followings and a lot of likes on photos and, you know, maybe beautiful professionally taken photos or videos. And I think it's just easy to get in comparison mode, right? And think that they kind of have it all together and whatnot. And I think it's really important for us to remember that social media is a highlight reel. 
you know, there's not people are people are better at it now of being more authentic and genuine on social media, I think. But at the same time, I think it's still a highlight reel. Like we're not seeing the grind and the hustle that these people with big followings and successful businesses have gone through. And I think that we need to remember that everyone started out as a beginner, right? Like everyone started where we're starting. And I think just the times are different. Like there are people who started out at a time where it was a really great time to be on Instagram. Instagram promoted their accounts and Instagram was not as competitive. They were able to easily grow big followings and it's not that easy to do that anymore. But there's other ways and opportunities that we have as yoga teachers if we're starting out now, right? Like the fact that people are comfortable on Zoom gives us a great opportunity to start right into an online business. Whereas 10 years ago, somebody might have been having a lot of success with like photos on Instagram, but was anyone coming to a Zoom class? Exactly. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so either. Yeah, that's a fair point. Like times are definitely changing. And I think, yeah, you just have to find your your avenue to promote yourself, to get yourself out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any tips for anyone who's kind of feeling a bit like maybe like disgruntled with social media or maybe a bit discouraged with social media? Like they're they're putting a lot of time in, they're not really seeing any traction, like other kind of marketing tools or ways that they can connect with their people? Yeah, I think it really depends with who you want to connect to. Who Like um, when I work with people, we always do quite a big section um, focusing on like, who are your people? Because <laughs> I think especially in yoga, there's often like this main perception of like vinyasa yoga is like the only route to go down which obviously isn't true and so um yeah I think the first step is always figuring out who are your people who are you naturally speaking to who are the people who excite you and then from there you can kind of take a step back and look at what what's the way these people communicate like are they even on Instagram or are they on like LinkedIn for example are they maybe using Facebook or aren't they using any social media at all and a newsletter is much more important for you and do you maybe if you offer in-person classes, um, do you need to get like a business card out there in different locations for people to find you? So it really depends on who you want to work with and how these people take. But um, yeah, there's so many different ways, I think, um, to, to get yourself out there. And um, we're so often limited to the idea of Instagram as well, because I think it is yoga central in some ways. But um, what we often don't realize, especially I think um, with Instagram, is how narrow the focus of yoga there is. Like, I mean, it's definitely getting broader and better. Um, and yet still the picture that you see when you type in yoga every damn day, um, it's always like a thin white person doing like acrobatics, um, basically. And so, I mean, that's one niche of yoga for sure, but it's not for everyone. Like there are so many ways to practice yoga. And so, um, yeah, it's really about figuring out who you are, who your people are, and how you get the two together, what what avenue of communication you can use. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think that that's very true and about Instagram. And I think it's also when we think about like the people looking to practice yoga, like if that's intimidating for us as teachers, think about how intimidating that is for somebody who's like, like, hey, I've got back pain because I sit at a job all day. Like, 
they're not looking probably to like learn a handstand. They just want some relief from their back pain, right? And I, I think something I've heard time and time again is like, oh, well, like what I teach isn't glamorous. Like it's not glamorous enough for Instagram. Like how do I take photos of, you know, sitting in meditation or lying in Shavasana or, you know, just going into like a gentle twist. And I'm like, well, we we can photograph that and we can put it with a caption that kind of explains what's happening. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, super like acrobatic, like you said, it, it can be something that's very simple. And I think that there are people who are looking for that because I think there are people who are very intimidated by a lot of the like imagery and, and videos and stuff that are out there right now. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the number of people who worked with me in the past and who said like, no, yoga is not for me. Like I've tried in, in the past, but someone tried to force me into like a forward fold and they were barely even <laughs> getting their head below their hips, you know? Um, I think that's, that's a real problem in yoga. And so if you, if you feel like you're different, that's actually nothing bad. That's like something really, really great. I think, um, like I, I still remember, um, when I was, um, doing yoga and I was posting something on Instagram, don't even remember what, but it was just really authentically about my practice. I was there in my like sweatpants and not, nothing glamorous about that for sure. And I had people that messaged me how they enjoyed um, the picture of yoga and how much more accessible it felt to them and how much more they felt like they could actually practice yoga, um, comparing that to, you know, the acrobatics. Yeah, for sure. I was actually just talking with with a mom friend of mine. She was like, you know, a good friend prior. And then we had babies within two months of each other. And she was saying how like, oh, I'd really like to get back to like posting some content on Instagram. You know, I'm ready to like be teaching a little bit more, bring in some more clients. She's like, I just feel like, you know, I'm always in like just oversized sweatpants and my hair is in a bun and I don't have any makeup on. And she's like, you know, I'm still like carrying some baby weight and I feel sensitive about that. And she's like, I just don't want to show up on video. And I was like, you know, if you don't feel comfortable showing up on video, that's okay. You know, there's there's that element of it where don't put that pressure on you if you're not ready to show up. But if you want to show up, show up as you are because people are going to relate to that. I think there's a lot of, and particularly like new moms who can relate to like living in sweatpants with their hair in a bun. You know, they're not like straightening their hair and putting makeup on and, you know, getting into the perfect outfit. It's like they just need to move a little bit and they need to move within the time and capacity they have. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's like a really good point. And she's like, I'll, I'll try it and see how I feel. And so she started recording a couple of videos and just showing up like, you know, this is how I'm showing up today. This is what I'm I'm wearing. <laughs> this is how I look. And people did resonate with it. And it was really beautiful to see her kind of step into that because it felt like she was kind of owning just where she was at. And and it didn't need to be like like the perfect highlight reel, I guess. Like it felt more relatable and more like this is just somebody being real. Yeah, totally. And I think that's the key to any kind of promotion. It's not trying to be someone else, but really kind of embracing who you are with everything like even what you perceive as your flaws because other people perceive it as something relatable as something to connect to you about and so um yeah trying not to be someone else like replicating an image of yoga that might be popular on social media um because there's so many more people out there who are just waiting for people like you like whatever you do um just embracing that and showing up as your as your true self mm -hmm, for sure yeah and i mean i love a like a, a great cute yoga outfit don't get me wrong but i think there's people out there that are like 
it's a barrier, right? They're like, I can't spend $200 on a fancy yoga outfit. And I feel like a teacher showing up just like in a t-shirt and and sweatpants is like, it's like permission to do the same, right? Yeah, exactly. And because I think especially now that we're practicing um, yoga at home so much more often, like via Zoom or whatever it is, um, I think, yeah, that's permission to just do it because I think it's often a barrier. You know, you have a kid, um, how busy you are and how often uh, like that falls off the table at the end of the day because it's the last point on your to-do list. And then if there's the additional challenge of having to get changed into a cute set of yoga um, clothes and to setting up a perfect yoga space, then that is just really keeping people away from the practice. And so, yeah, being being relatable and just showing that yoga is life and um, you can consume or practice yoga wherever you are, I think is a good way to to get yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I'm curious, you said before that you do some work with people around kind of finding who their, their ideal client is or who they really want to be working with, talking to targeting. Um, do you have any tips for somebody who might be kind of starting out with this and not really knowing, like, how do you find who these people are? Like, how do you find your people? Yeah, so definitely the first step I always recommend to people, um, just as we talked about in the beginning, is to get yourself out there and to get teaching. Um, Because you will notice pretty quickly the people who show up to your classes that you connect to and the ones you don't. Like, it's it's just normal, I think, that to all classes, um, there will be people who, you know, just aren't your wavelength for various reasons. And there are other people who you're really excited about or maybe even, like, nervous about teaching because they are, yeah, they are so great in your eyes. Um, so experience is definitely the first step. Like, the more you teach, the more you learn um, who the people are you want to work with and who the people are you don't want to work with. Um, and then the second side of it um, is kind of self-knowledge. Um, and that, I think, really depends what what kind of technique resonates with you. I use um, tools like human design with my clients um, to kind of explore what are your strengths and what do you have to give. But I know that's not for everyone. So you, you have to find what works for you. Um, so getting to know yourself and what you um, have to offer, what magic you carry and um, kind of matching that to the people who need that in their lives. Amazing. Yeah. I love human design. And I feel like finding out my human design was very like, gave me permission, I think, to like be lean into who I am a little bit more. For sure. And I, I guess it's kind of like sad in a way to live in a world where you kind of need permission to be who you are. But at the same time, I feel like there's like, a lot of shoulds out there, like we should be doing this, we should be doing this. And for me, it was we should, I should just pick one niche. I should just focus on one thing. I'll be more successful with this. And I was like, it just doesn't, that just doesn't like draw me in. That's not what I want to do. And when I found out that I'm a manifesting generator and that they thrive with their hands in lots of pots, I was like, okay, I can just keep doing what I'm doing. I can stop trying to like force choosing one thing in my life and recognizing that this is actually one of my strengths. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's such a permission or for me as well, it was a permission giving um, tool. I'm a projector and I definitely loved receiving that permission to rest and incorporate more rest into my day um, and not having to hustle morning to evening and kind of having a 
Um, I get, I guess, justification of not being able to work like nine to five every day of the week. Um, yeah, I love that. And I mean, there are so many little nuggets that come out of your human design um, that you can dive into. And it's always like a whole new world. Um, so yeah, I really love that. And I love incorporating that with clients who who like to look through that lens at themselves and at their business. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I have a couple of friends who are projectors who've said the exact same thing. They were like, it was kind of permission to lean into like the ideal schedule that, you know, you had some sort of like inkling or intuition that this is what you wanted to do. Yet society tells you, you need to work X amount of hours this time to this time. And if you don't, you know, you're lazy or you're not doing enough, et cetera, et cetera. And knowing like, oh, this is actually how like I thrive and do my best work is is pretty cool. Totally. Yeah. And it definitely also related to how I was teaching yoga. Like over the years, um, it became pretty clear to me that I was teaching very slow yoga. Like um, I was typically teaching like gentle flow classes or very quiet, very um, slow yin yoga classes and yoga nidra. And there was always this component in me that thought, well, but you should do more like vinyasa. You should be more um, active in your classes or like in, in a quiet yin yoga class, you should talk more <laughs> and stuff like that. And so I think um, seeing that through this human design lens really allowed me to just lean into that and not force myself to love vinyasa <laughs> um, when actually I really love teaching yin yoga. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. It's it's really great that you were able to lean into that and and do what what really serves you. Yeah. And in turn your students. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing, like the more authentic you are, the better you can serve your students at the end of the day. So it's always for a greater good if you want to see that. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing all of this great information and and to talk about these three myths. I feel like this has been super, super beneficial. And um, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, if, are there any other business lessons that you've learned through your career that you want to share with listeners today? I mean, there are so many. I try to <laughs> keep it to one or two, but um, the biggest for me is definitely listening to your intuition. Um, I've definitely tried to override my intuition in the past a number of times, kind of allowing people to pressure me maybe into paths or directions that at the innermost part of myself, I felt weren't quite right for me. And then it always turned out just not a great situation. And then in the end, I always kind of had to get out of that situation, but it was so much more dramatic and then, then if I had said right from the start, no, you know, that's not right for me. I, I can't say why, but that's what my intuition tells me. So I think that's a, that's a very big one. Just follow your intuition. Um, and maybe as a second one is, I mean, we already talked about it, but getting yourself out there and trusting that people support you. Um, I mean, especially on social media, I've experienced so much support from people that I've met in the past. I'm not even friends with now, but who just love that I went down this path. And so, yeah, really leaning into support, I guess, at the end of the day and trusting that it is there in ways that you maybe can't even grasp or imagine right now, but that most often at least <laughs> shows up. Yeah. Yeah. It's always so interesting when you share things like who comes out of the woodwork from your past. It's like, Hey, you know, I'm interested in buying this course or, you know, doing a program with you or joining a class or something. And it's like, Oh, I didn't even know 
you were interested in this or interested in supporting me or that you even like looked at my stuff type thing. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> amazing. Well, you've shared so much good stuff here today. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm curious, can you share with listeners where they can go to find you, where they can learn more about you, all of that good stuff? Yeah, they can go to my website, Saskia's Sailing. Well, it's a weird name to <laughs> pronounce it in English, but I'm sure you put it in the show notes, um, dot com. And then you can always um, find me on Instagram. And I'm actually exploring LinkedIn at the moment because we were talking about <laughs> different social media avenues. So um, yeah, these three platforms are usually the way to find me. And you can always like message me. I'm always happy to chat to anyone who's curious or has questions. Um, and yeah, all the infos about working with me, um, programs, et cetera, is there. Amazing. And you're Saskia Celine on Instagram and Facebook and exactly. stuff, LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Amazing. Well, we will put links to all of that in the show notes so that people can go follow along with you and see what you're up to. And yeah, thank you so much for your time today. This has been just a really wonderful conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed that. All right, my friend, I hope that you enjoyed that episode of the podcast with Saskia Celine. Make sure you go check her out, give her a follow, and maybe even work with her if you feel feel called to do so. And for me, it's just really cool after all these years of running MBOM and doing MBOM to see these cycles of yoga teachers, yoga teachers who are brand new when I started the podcast and have now really built their business over the last couple of years. And to be able to bring a longtime listener onto the show like Saskia is, is really fun for me. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. A big thank you to Offering Tree for sponsoring this episode. Make sure you guys go give them some love. Offering com forward slash mbom or follow them on any platforms offering tree if you have any questions about them make sure you reach out to them or myself always happy to chat about if it's a good fit for you and thank you for listening i really couldn't do it without you listening to the podcast being here supporting the show so thank you so much and we will see you next week all right bye for now thank you so much for tuning in for this episode of the podcast to find links, notes, resources, and everything mentioned in today and all episodes of the show, you can head on over to mbomyoga.com. You can find the podcast and myself on Facebook and social media at Mastering the Business of Yoga. And I would love for you to join the private Facebook community, Yoga Business Badasses. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please make sure you reach out to me at info at mbomyoga.com. And last of all, if you enjoyed this episode of the show, please make sure you hit subscribe and leave a review for the podcast. It would mean the world. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Namaste. Namaste.